thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 12 in just a few moments here. And uh, we'll, if you'll begin turning there, and we'll read together in just a few moments from uh, the word of uh, the Lord. Uh, I want to make a, a few brief comments before we jump into the message. Uh, as uh, Brother Chris alluded to, there are uh, books that are in the back. Brother uh, Jay Temple was proactive and was able to secure some very good resources for us at no cost uh, to you or to the church. And so they're available for you there in the back to uh, take one for your family and to encourage you. If you ever are in need of resources, you're wondering, you know, uh, what uh, what book or what thoughts might be good uh, to help me maybe in certain areas of of your life or otherwise brother Jay is very knowledgeable of many resources that are out there as well as the other brethren um, but this book is a is a good book I haven't got into it yet but I've read about it and I think it'll be a blessing to you so I encourage you to pick up one uh, as as you go uh, last Sunday, while we were in service, there were several from uh, the missions team in Montana coming back into Richmond and, and Charlottesville. And we did not have uh, just a time to rejoice on Sunday morning. We talked and shared on Sunday night, but we didn't have a time on Sunday morning just to rejoice in what the Lord had done. So if you were on that missions trip uh, in any way, if, I, if you could stand, if you're here this morning, uh, everyone who was on that Montana uh, missions trip. Uh, if you just stand with us, and let's just rejoice in this group and uh, just the testimony of uh, of what God has done um, and uh, Sister D. Prins has worked in that area for many, many years, and so we're grateful for uh, the opening of the door. Uh, for ministry in that area. And it's just so, to me, it's always amazing as we work through the scriptures together, how the scriptures that we encounter on any given Sunday apply to the situation in which we're in. And so we're working through Acts chapter 13 and the door being opened in Cyprus for uh, the preaching of the gospel. And Barnabas, who we'll talk about this in a little bit, Barnabas, who was uh, 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 the connection into uh, Cyprus, opened the door for Paul to be able to come in and preach the gospel. And here we're rejoicing about a sister who's been working in an area who opened the door for a team to go and to be able to share the gospel. I mean, I can't, I can't plan sermons like that. <laughs> You know, you, you've been with us since last summer working through the book of Acts. I didn't plan out, oh, we're going to take a mission trip. They didn't even know where they were going three weeks ago. <laughs> and so God just opens these doors, and uh, it's just amazing to me how so often I come back and think, Lord, you are so uh, awesome to be able to orchestrate things that we could never put together in our mind. And it's to remind us that man is not in control of this. Uh, we serve an awesome God, and he alone uh, deserves the glory for uh, what is is going on here in the church and in the church uh, universal. So uh, we just thank him so much uh, for what he's doing. Uh, if you will, let's stand together and let's read in Acts chapter 4, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 4, and we'll work through uh, chapter 
12, Acts chapter 13, verse 4 through uh, verse 12. The word of the Lord says to us, uh, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, and this is uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, and when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also uh, had John as their helper. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? One thing about the Apostle Paul is sometimes you had to wonder where he stood. <laughs> Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Amen. So last week, you will recall that we uh, picked it up at Acts chapter 13 and verses 1 through 3. Uh, if you turn, many of you in the back of your Bible, you have a list of maps. And maybe you don't look at those uh, very often, but that's a good place to go, particularly in uh, the book of Acts, is to flip back to the maps. And many of the maps that uh, you'll find in the back of your Bible will have the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And so what we're starting at here is the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey. And as we began back in the book of Acts, we started kind of down in Jerusalem, uh, off of uh, the Mediterranean Sea and Jerusalem. And then the gospel moves its way up into the northern areas. And now we're seeing Antioch, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. The gospel is taking root, and that's actually becoming a, a center of sending out. Antioch becomes the place where uh, our missionaries are being sent out. And as the Apostle Paul, as we work through uh, the text over the next few weeks, what we'll find is he goes out to the island of Cyprus, ministers across the island, and then goes up into what we know today as uh, Turkey, and then they make their way uh, back uh, to Antioch. And so, again, that map kind of in the back of your Bible will sort of give you kind of the location points of uh, where we are going. And it's important for us to actually see, again, how the gospel is moving out and moving away from that central area in Jerusalem where there's still a church that is active, but the church continues to see its mission as pressing forward into places where the gospel has not been uh, preached. 
Now, uh, Cyprus was uh, an area that was under uh, Roman rule, and on the uh, eastern edge of uh, Cyprus was, a, uh, was uh, Salamis, and on the western edge of Cyprus was Paphos. And so when they get to the island, they kind of essentially cross the whole island over to the other side, uh, sharing and preaching the gospel. Now, Paphos was kind of the seat of government. So what they were heading towards was the place of government, which makes sense why they would meet the proconsul when they got to Paphos. The proconsul was essentially the governor of the Roman rulership over uh, Cyprus. So again, as I mentioned, sort of in the, in the lead up to this, Barnabas, he was a, a Cypriot, so it was kind of like a natural sort of location for them to begin their first missionary journey. And so this is a really important point that we find ourselves in, in the gospel. There was a move and a, and a pressing by the Holy Spirit to direct people to carry the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who had not heard. Uh, next Sunday, we'll talk more about the specifics of that message but uh, for today, just kind of understanding that Paul was preaching the gospel, Barnabas was preaching the gospel, and essentially that was the forgiveness of sins through Jesus and freedom from the curse of sins by belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also in this particular passage where we find Saul's name changed. It's the first time we see him being referred to as Paul. So what you ought to take note of here is up until this point, he had primarily been ministering in a Jewish context, and Saul was his Jewish name. But as he begins to shift the ministry now more into the Gentile context, we see Luke also making the shift in how he was known. He's known as Paul. So again, same person. Person, uh, but Saul is the Hebrew name, Paul is the Greek or his uh, Roman name. And as we look at our text this morning, we find uh, a few aspects that I think are important for us to note as it relates to the Holy Spirit's work in evangelization. We see the Holy Spirit initiating evangelization, protecting evangelization, and ultimately accomplishing evangelization. From Acts chapter 2, that initial group of 120 people has consistently grown and consistently been outwardly focused. It becomes a problem when the church, both the local church and the church universal, becomes inwardly focused, becomes focused on what's going on just within ourselves and doesn't have a heart or a passion for pushing back the message or pushing back the, the walls of the barriers of the gospel, continually pushing the frontier where the gospel is preached. The early church was continually pushing those boundaries to preach the message of hope, to establish churches and witnesses for their communities. When we look so far as we've been through the book of Acts, what we find is that God calls people to go to places to share the gospel to people who will gather together in churches to equip people for God to call to go places to share the gospel to people who will gather in churches to equip more people to be sent out to go and establish more churches, and on and on and on it goes. 
This is the pattern in the book of Acts. Evangelization, discipleship, equipping, sending. And as I think about this and as we pray about what our role is in this, because the, the, the challenge is, is I could kind of come through and I could preach this message, but I could never bring it home to us at Riverstone. No, we could preach to him. We could say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. The early church was evangelistic. They were kind of pushing the frontiers of the gospel. We praise the Lord that we're recipients of what they have done. But if we don't do anything with that and we just sit in our cloister and sort of lift our hands and praise the Lord, we're not really following the pattern of what the gospel says we ought to do in sharing with other people. So we have to then bring this whole message back and begin to apply it to what God is doing right here in Charlottesville, Virginia, right here at Riverstone as we meet together here, 1515 Insurance Lane. What is God doing right here? What is God calling us to do? There is a gospel witness here in the Piedmont of Virginia, but as I look and I think about what is happening in our area, I think there may not be the type of culture of sending that we want to see in this area. There may not be the type of culture that we see in the New Testament of this continual sending out from, from churches. I believe that God is awakening us as a church, is awakening pastors to the need to be missional and the need to send out and the need to equip and to plant other churches. And I believe that we are part of that number as Riverstone. This week, uh, Pastor Chris and I spent some time in Crozet praying about the work of the Lord there. As we pray, we think about, is there someone or some place out there that could host a regular weekly prayer meeting to see what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do in that area? Maybe that's one of you. I love to see something like that start as soon as possible. We talk about planting churches, and we can't just talk about it at some point. We have to do something about it, don't we? some point, we have to take a step forward and say, Lord, we're following after what you have put in the heart, our heart, Lord. We're following after what we believe the Holy Spirit is saying. Remember in Acts chapter 13 in verses 1 through 3, uh, the Spirit of the Lord spoke while they were praying. We've been praying. We've been seeking the Lord. We've been asking the Lord for that next place, that next spot. What is interesting is as we've been praying about that, I mean, I, in, in, in my own heart, in my own mind, I would love to see us establish a prayer meeting there immediately. And I would love to see us launch a congregation out in that area by Easter of next year. And I was thinking about that this morning, and it's interesting that I got an email from someone I don't know who requested prayer and said, when are you all planning a church in Crozet? <laughs> I don't know the person at all. Interesting how the Lord works, isn't it? But we have to start with 
prayer because we clearly see that in the scriptures. It was a praying group of people, and it must be the Holy Spirit that initiates the work of evangelization. We see that here in this uh, passage. That is the Holy Spirit who initiates the work of evangelization. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia, which was the port city from Antioch, maybe 20 miles from Antioch. They went uh, from Antioch to the port city. They boarded a ship, and from there they sailed to the island of Cyprus. And when they reached Salamis, which is a city on the island of Cyprus, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues, going to the Jews first. And they also had John as their helper, which we'll learn more about him as we move along. Paul and Barnabas were clearly sent out by the Holy Spirit. Yes, they were affirmed and they were commissioned by the local church, by the laying on of hands, but it was the Holy Spirit that sent them out. That sent them, the Holy Spirit sent them out for the purpose of evangelization, for the purpose of sharing the gospel witness in a new area, and for the purpose of establishing other sending churches. Again, this was Barnabas's hometown, and they went to the synagogue to share the message with people that they would have an, kind of an initial familiarity with. Paul and Barnabas being Jews, they kind of went to the Jewish synagogue, and they would start talking about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit directs them to the people that are most critical <clears throat> for gospel expansion. And we meet one of those whose name is Bar-Jesus or Elamus, the magician. Now, Elamus was Jewish. He was a false prophet, the scripture tells us. He was a magician, and Bar-Jesus means son of salvation. So far in the book of Acts, we've encountered two main false teachers, Simon the sorcerer, and then here we find Elamus. Both were after position and power. Both did signs and wonders. And we see that one of the marks of a false teacher is that they desire power and authority for themselves and do not always, and when I say always, I mean consistently every single time, point to the power of the work of the Holy Spirit at work. Matthew 7, and 23 says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. So it was the Holy Spirit at work who directed Paul and Barnabas to Cyprus then they had this encounter with Elamus, and it was this encounter with Elamus that opened the door to them to be able to share the message of hope with the proconsul or the governor of Cyprus. The spiritual battle was a door opener to the evangelistic harvest that was to come. Remember that in your own life. 
Oftentimes, it's the battle that you fight the hardest, that spiritual battle where you feel like I am being beat down over and over and over again. Sometimes it is that spiritual battle that is the doorway that you must walk through in order to get to the place that God is calling you for the furtherance of the gospel. And this is the entirety of your life. Remember this. As a believer, if you profess Jesus, it's not simply to say, oh, okay okay, now I'm okay in eternity. When I die, I'll go be with Jesus and I don't have to go to the other place. I can go be with Jesus. That's not fully the message of salvation. Fully the message of salvation is that God in his sovereignty brought the gospel to you. You believed in the message of hope and while you're here on this earth, God has a plan for you to further that message to other people. We have to be a church that is on mission for the gospel. And sometimes the furtherance of that message requires you to walk through some places where there is spiritual warfare happening. Elamus had a relationship with the governor. He was connected with the governor. But Elamus had to be exposed for what he was in order for the gospel to reach a man of prominence. Sometimes you have to find in your life that it is the Holy Spirit walking you through certain things in order that you would be strengthened, in order that you would learn to persevere in the faith, in order that you would have hope in the life that is to come. Sometimes you walk through those deep and dark valleys, and the Holy Spirit leads you through those to bring you out on the other side for the purpose of the sending work of the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit in this passage that initiates salvation, initiates evangelization. If we look at verses 6 through 11, we see this battle, in essence, which really isn't a battle at all, between Paul and Barnabas and Elamus, and their goal was to expose the works of the devil. Elamus was not a distraction, He wasn't just someone trying to garner attention, but this was a battle that needed to take place. This was a battle that needed to be fought. 1 John 3 and 8 tells us the reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. And when you read the Apostle Paul's words to Elamus, yes, they seem harsh, but they are direct. And if anybody wondered what was going on with Elamus, they didn't need to wonder anymore. His works were fully exposed. You are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Do not be surprised in your life by spiritual battles because often they are there to expose and destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil 
drive you to prayer. They drive you to the word. They drive you to the truth. They drive you to stand upon God's promises. I know in my own life, the times of great challenge are the times when I have driven to the word to hold on to God's promise and say, God, you have promised this and I will walk it out as faithfully as I can by the power of the Holy Spirit. You get pushed and driven to take up the spiritual weapons to realize we are weak in and of ourselves, taking up the spiritual weapons and fighting the spiritual battle. Elamus was actively opposing the work of evangelization, and he sought to turn people away from the gospel. If Elamus had the governor's ear, he certainly had access to other people as well. But the Holy Spirit protected the evangelistic work of the early church. It's clear in verse 9 that what the Apostle Paul said was coming from the Holy Spirit. Luke is clear to say to us that the Apostle Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and fixed his gaze on him. The Holy Spirit worked through Paul to clearly manage a threat at hand. And this is why we believe, teach, practice the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because we believe that it is an important aspect of the work of God in your life. It is the Holy Spirit that gives discernment and gives understanding. It is the Holy Spirit that directs the work. It is the Holy Spirit that protects the work. And we see right here that the Holy Spirit is consistently at work mitigating the threat of those who are coming against the gospel in order that the message would be preached faithfully to those who need to hear. Paul discerned and identified through the work of the Holy Spirit how Elamus was going to be punished. He says, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And that's not for good. That doesn't mean for good in this context. The hand of the Lord is upon you for punishment. And darkness fell upon him. And Elamus had to go around and beg for people to lead him around. No matter the spiritual roadblocks, when the Holy Spirit has sent people for the work of evangelization, the Holy Spirit will protect that work. God is directing you and me for the purpose of sharing the message of hope to other people. What the world wants to tell you and what the world wants to convince you of is that your life is about a whole bunch of other things that don't relate to the gospel. The summation of your life is about a whole lot of other things that pick at your mind day in and day out besides the furtherance of the gospel. And I can tell you that if we're praying for revival, we're seeking the Lord for revival, we're longing for revival in our day, one of the things that will help bring revival is when a church is praying together and gets on mission together and realizes that each one one of us, each and every one of us are being called to be sent. The success or failure of a local church doesn't rest on who's behind the pulpit. No superstar preacher is going to get behind a pulpit and grow a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. 
Are you reading the news lately? They fall like flies. I was reading an article this week. Many of you will know the, the gentleman's name, but a guy who pastored a mega church is just so disheartening. Pastored a mega church at a very young age, wrote a book that really swept evangelical Christianity. Lots of people read it, lots of people accepted it. Uh, lots of people stood upon it, and, and, and much of what he said, there was not, you know, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't like it was bad things that were coming out of what he wrote. But decided at some point along the way that he was going to deconstruct his Christian faith, left his wife and his family, uh, decided to pick up uh, uh, a new type of job, I guess, and now he's starting to charge people to go through a course to learn how to not do what he had previously told them to do in the book that he wrote many years earlier. So profiting from the gospel in the beginning, uh, multi-million dollar book deals, profiting from the gospel, and now profiting from what he profited from before, but saying what I said before is wrong. Now listen to me. Charlatans. People are looking to pad their pocket. That's what it is. But when we begin to empower people, we begin to equip and send people. This is why you've often heard me say we will not be a professional church because people have to learn somewhere. There has to be some place that people can stand behind a pulpit or people can get in front of others and pray a prayer. And it may not be all beautiful and pretty. And we may all have to extend a little bit of grace. We may all have to extend just a little bit of love. But what we're going to do is affirm God's work and walk alongside of someone and help them to learn a better way. Coming alongside so that we can send more people out. When we begin to think that there's one or two people who have to have complete control and they're the only ones who are gifted enough, talented enough, we set ourselves up for failure. My hope would be that if I were to walk outside the church and get hit by a bus, that next Sunday you would be here hearing the message of the gospel preached and someone would be sent out. <laughs> Y'all would have to work with Chris and extend some grace there. I know that. My encouragement to you. <laughs> At least you wouldn't have to know when to praise. He would always count it down. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so it is the Holy Spirit we see here in this passage, in these few verses, that protects that work of evangelization. This is why I believe we can be bold for Jesus and taking a step of faith, believing, God, will you help us do something in Crozet? Are you calling us to do something in Crozet? Is the Holy Spirit calling out to send in that area? And here is what we know, that as the Holy Spirit protects that work, the Holy Spirit also accomplishes the work 
of evangelization. Verse 12 says, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now look closely at this verse, because there are two things that are going on in this context, and Luke, no, Luke notes them for our benefit. First, the proconsul saw what happened to Elamus. He saw what went on when Paul called Elamus out, and there was a supernatural sign that took place. Second, Luke records for us that the proconsul was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. So we see the power of the Holy Spirit at work doing signs and wonders, and we also see the amazing teaching, preaching message of the gospel together. Note how it is worded in this context, these two things, a move and power of the Holy Spirit united with the effective teaching and preaching of the gospel brings people to repentance and the gospel moves forward into places where it has not been present in the past. And as a church, we must be those who embrace both aspects of God's present work in the world. There has to be the fullness of the Spirit at work, working through the preaching and the teaching and the signs and the wonders. Yesterday, we had a wonderful teaching session here from 9 to 11 by Brother Jay about the witnessing and evangelization of the cults. That's necessary for us in a different context from Sunday morning, just as the preached word is necessary for us to grow and to be encouraged. Just as when we come together and we pray for healing and we pray for sending out, we expect the Holy Spirit to work in signs and wonders to confirm what he is doing. So this morning, when Brother Chris came up and he began sharing, I believe, that he began operating in a prophetic gift speaking to us. There are times when there may be an utterance in another tongue and then a prophetic gift of interpretation in the context. It is the Holy Spirit giving a sign or a wonder of what is going on, but we can't just live in those places. We also have to live in the teaching and the preaching and kind of the nitty gritty of getting an understanding. It is both. The power of the Spirit at work and the power of understanding and knowing and believing and walking out God's Word. God works to evangelize people through signs and wonders. Many of you who are here this morning have spent much time on the mission field or talking with missionary brothers and sisters. And how many testimonies could you tell of brothers and sisters who are out on the field who have been supernaturally spoken to in a dream or a sign or a wonder or in some way by the Lord Jesus Christ? And that is their conversion moment. They look back to that moment because it was a sign and a wonder. But what do they often do is they want to find a word. 
They want to find a Bible. They want to find someone who knows, someone to teach, someone to give understanding. It is this work of the Holy Spirit doing supernatural signs and wonders. And then the work of God's faithful people preaching and teaching and helping to give understanding to what God is doing. And through that move of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will accomplish the work of evangelization. If we're doing, if what we are doing is a work of the Holy Spirit, and when I say that, I'm speaking very specifically to us as a local assembly of believers. If what we're doing is a work of the Holy Spirit, then what we can do is move in complete confidence, knowing that, yes, there is going to be spiritual battles. There will be spiritual battles. But we can move in confidence to know that even those spiritual battles are for the furtherance of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit will protect us in that moment. And the Holy Spirit will also accomplish the work of the preaching and teaching and conversion aspects of the gospel. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.